This industry is difficult. It really is. You have to have a lot of patience. You have to have a lot of perseverance. And you have to have thick skin because there's a lot of rejection that goes along with it. Not only rejection from editors and agents when you're trying to get published, but even after you get published, there's a lot of rejection. So a lot of these lessons that you're learning trying to get into the business, you're going to have to carry with you even after you're published. We'll talk about this and much more today. Welcome to a Writer's Day podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a Writer's Day podcast. My name is Ruth Douthit, and I am an award-winning multi-published author, and I started this podcast so that I could chat with award-winning, best-selling authors to learn more about the craft and about their writing journeys. Because I don't know about you, but I'm always encouraged to hear how these best-selling authors came to be. And I'd say 99% of the time, it was not an overnight success. There was some work involved, some tears involved, some rejection involved. So just remember, you are not alone on this journey if you've experienced any of those. So welcome to a Writer's Day podcast. And if you like this podcast, please subscribe or like or follow me because it really does help me. It encourages me to keep going. And I would love to hear how you feel about the podcast. So find me on Instagram at a Writer's Day podcast or on my Facebook, author Ruth Douthit. Drop me a line and let me know what you think and what topics you would like covered on my podcast because I also do discuss writing tips about the craft. So let me know. And the Doors of Realm launch party went really well. We had a lot of fun that night. Thanks for everyone who joined in the fun and the book giveaways and all the swag. Oh, it was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for your support. And the Doors of Rome is getting excellent reviews. So if you've read the book, please do me a favor and review it on Amazon or Goodreads or Instagram. It really does help. Believe me, reviews really do help authors. Okay, on to the good stuff. She was voted number one reader's favorite Christian romance author of 2019. And she is a Carol Award-winning author, too. And she offers warm-hearted historical romances with a flair for humor, feisty heroines, and swoon-worthy Texas heroes. Karen Wittermeyer joins me today to talk about her newest series, Texas Ever After. And book one in the series is Fairest of Heart, a retelling of Snow White. So you know the drill. Grab your favorite beverage, a comfortable chair, kick back and relax as we listen to best-selling author Karen Wittemeyer talk about her new book. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to our Writer's Day podcast. I'm so glad to have you here because we are going to be talking to best-selling historical romance author Karen Wittemeyer. Welcome, Karen. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I am too. It's truly an honor. I've heard your name mentioned in so many writers' conferences and such. And when I told friends I'd be interviewing today, interviewing you today, all my writer friends were like, wow, that's fantastic. So I feel so special. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was wondering if maybe you could just tell the two or three people out there listening who have never heard about you a little bit about yourself. Sure. 
Um, so my name is Karen Wittemeyer. I live in Abilene, Texas with my husband and my quickly emptying nest. Mm. <laughs> I have three uh, grown children. Um, my uh, oldest daughter is working on a PhD down at Texas A&M. Wow. And my older son is working on, uh, well, he's working, period. He's now <laughs> graduated. He got married last year, just celebrated his first wedding anniversary. Aww. And as a side note, um, his wife uh, is loves Disney and fairy tales and all of that. And so this book is actually um, dedicated to them. And it, it came out just in time for me to give them a copy for their anniversary, for their first anniversary. So Aww. that's kind of fun. And then my youngest son um, is finishing up college. He should graduate in December and get married uh, the following November. So I have a officially taken over his room and turned it into my writing office. So. Fantastic. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. It's pretty exciting. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And have you always uh, been wanting, you know, to be an author since you were little or? Actually, no. I um, was just a, an avid reader. I loved to read. I would come home from the library with big stacks of books and would hide in my room and didn't want to talk to actual people, mm. just wanted to live in my little story worlds. Um, but as I got older, I would, I didn't really write, but I would daydream. I would daydream stories, or if I didn't like the way a movie ended, I would rewrite it in my head and, you know, that kind of thing. And as I went through school and through college, um, I, you know, several of my professors would mention, hey, you're a really strong writer. You're a really good writer. But that was, you know, academic writing. That's not the same as fiction <laughs> writing. So I, I thought, well, you know, maybe someday I would give it a try, but um, it would always just seemed like a faraway dream um, until I was a stay-at-home mom with three uh, kids under the age of five. And my husband found out he was losing his job because of uh, downsizing. And I had this moment of panic of, I need to do something to contribute to the family income. Um, I know I'll write a book and make lots of money right away because that's <laughs> just you know how it works. And so naive about how the industry works. It took me six years to actually sign my first book contract. But that was kind of the little kick in the pants that God gave me and said, you know, now's the time to take that someday and turn it into actual working toward a goal. So um, that was kind of what got me into writing. And I still ended up having to go back to work and work a day job. But uh, that kind of lit the fire under me. And I've been going ever since. Oh, that's great. A true story of persevering. And using God's gifts to help out the family. That's great. That's wonderful. Now, Fairest of Heart is really, it's kind of like a retelling of Cinderella, isn't it? Snow White, actually. Snow White. That's why I should yes. have known from the cover. I noticed the <laughs> colors and I thought, oh, okay, yeah, Snow White. Wonderful. And I think that's so nice that you were able to do this for your son and their anniversary. That's so romantic. The timing just worked out perfectly. It was, it was so fun. <laughs> So you do classic Western romances. What made you want to do a retelling of a classic fairy tale? Was that just for your son and his wife or? No, not really. Um, Cause I actually, you know, started writing it before they were even married. So oh. it just, you know, it takes a while for all these things to happen. But I think for me, it was kind of combining two things that I love. 
So when I was a, a little girl, and this will date me, but I had one of those plastic uh, Fisher Price record players, you mm -hmm. know, that uh, would have the little records, and I would have the the Disney storybooks to read along, and they would sing the songs, and mm -hmm. I would I just loved it. And I think even as a child, there is something about. Um, the the romance of of fairy tales the happily ever after the love conquers all the good triumphs over evil all of those messages just really resonated with me and i think that's why i fell in love with romance as a genre anyway because it's basically just more fairy tales kind of you know that same uh, trope kind of over and over and um so when i when I started writing and, you know, I love cowboys too. And so I, you know, I was writing a lot of Western themed stories. Um, I noticed there were little hints of kind of that fairy tale element that would creep in every once in a while. Um, and I thought, you know, wouldn't it be fun to just take those two things that I love and combine them? And I, I had seen fairy tale retellings done in medieval settings. I had seen them done in contemporary settings. I'd even seen them like in fantasy type settings, but I really hadn't seen hardly any done in a Western setting. So I thought, well, maybe this would be a fun way to kind of freshen up um, the the fairy tale retellings and, and maybe do it from a different direction that hasn't been done much before. That's very clever. I like that. You're right. I don't think I've ever seen that before either. So good for you. Now, tell us about this amazing story, Ferris of Heart. So it is uh, loosely based or inspired by the, the story of Snow White. And so you have um, a Texas Ranger who fills the role of Prince Charming. You have a, a, a damsel in dis distress, poor Penelope Snow. She was abandoned as an infant, left on the, the steps of a girls' school in Chicago, uh, raised by the cook who worked there and was kind of living off of charity for all of her life. And so she never really felt like she belonged anywhere, didn't really have a family of her own circumstances uh, kind of worked against her. Um, there was a scandal that erupted and she needed to get out of town. There was a traveling actress who wanted to, uh, was going to be traveling the West and needed a maid. And so she started working for this, this actress who of course uh, plays the, the role of the vain um, <laughs> evil queen in, in uh, Snow White. So her name is Narcissa LaBelle. And um, she is this um, actress who has learned to use her beauty as a weapon. So uh, she uses it to manipulate men and to get the way the things that she wants. And of course, she's not very kind and <laughs> very <laughs> self-absorbed. And, and so she's the villainess who obviously loves her mirror. And so we have a little bit of the the mirror, mirror aspect going mm. on. Um, there's some jewels that go missing because we know we have jewels that were in the original story and the, in the seven dwarves with their mine and uh, can't have a snow white story without the seven dwarves. <laughs> so we have our seven retired drovers who work at the diamond D ranch. And so I, I think that was my favorite part was bringing them to life. We have the seven characters who are still kind of loosely based on those original, you know, Disney characters. We have Doc, who is a retired doctor who kind of runs the ranch. And then you have several of the, the cowboys who fill that different role. So we have poor Dusty represents Sneezy. He's got hay <laughs> fever really bad. And uh, we have Koi, who is kind of the bashful character, because those are kind of synonyms there. Mm -hmm. And of course, we have a, you know, a happy character and a, um, 
a sneezy or a sleepy character and a grumpy character. And so all of those really had a, I had a lot of fun with those <laughs> kind of pairing off each other, having that witty banter back and forth. And they kind of become the grandfathers that adopt Penelope when she has to take refuge with them. How clever. Look at you being all clever <laughs> with the names and the synonyms. That is really original. And I love the name of the series, Texas Ever After. That's great. Just love that fairy tale feel. <laughs> yeah. Now I know I do have a lot of family in Texas and I'm wondering, would they consider it to be a fairy tale land or <laughs> with all the weather you all get there? Oh my goodness. You all get so much weather. But that is it really is crazy. Neat, the Texas Ever After series. Ah, oh, I love that. So what made you want to start with Snow White and, and not Cinderella or Sleeping Beauty? or? I think for me, Snow White just has so many elements that are immediately recognizable. Mm -hmm. You know, as soon as you talk about seven retired drovers at the Diamond D Ranch, you know immediately what, what story we're talking about here. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's it's it was those elements that just made it so... Uh, recognizable that I thought that would be a fun one to start with and to kind of play off of. There'll be additional ones coming in the in the future that we may talk about a little bit where I take a little more liberty with the actual story and maybe twist it up a little bit more. But I felt really like this was a fun story to it. It has a plot all its own, so it, it doesn't follow the Snow White exactly, but there's enough in there that really makes it reminiscent of that classic story. Mm, that's great. Are you able to put some, you know, Christian principles in there too? Oh, absolutely. Yes. There are spiritual threads throughout all of my books and this one is no exception. You know, there's a, a big difference. We have, you know, these, these two women who are both extremely beautiful, right? We have Narcissa and we have Penelope and Penelope is the personification of what um, beauty is supposed to be. You know, in first Peter three, it talks about how the beauty is is uh, from a gentle and quiet spirit. And that is her her innocence and her, she tries to hide her outer beauty. And um, she is just that beautiful spirit. And that's what where her true beauty comes from. Whereas Narcissa is kind of representative of, you know, our world today where, you know, sex appeal and beauty is is used to manipulate and to get further in life. And it's it's very much about the outward appearance and not about the heart. And so kind of having extremes in those two characters showing the difference between the two and how one is so much healthier <laughs> than mm -hmm. the other. That's true. One is vanity. And now I understand that the themes of integrity, having integrity amidst persecution runs through the story. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So um, both the hero, Titus Kingsley, and the heroine, Penelope, both have to deal with not just oppression, but a lot of deception. So there's a lot of lying that's going on by the villain in the story and um, by the situations that arise. Titus is also kind of blinded by his own prejudices coming in. Uh, he has he lost a brother because of a woman who betrayed him, and so he has kind of this mindset against um, women to become to begin with. And so both of them have to learn not only to to 
see truth and to seek truth, but they also have to learn to stand up for truth and for what is right, even in the midst of persecution. Penelope um, is is persecuted by several entities in the course of this story, and she she still has to learn to stand up and be brave and do what is right, even when uh, it may come back to hurt her. And so um, she finds the courage to do what's right. Titus has to find the courage to look past his misconceptions and to see what truth truth really is, and to extend mercy where mercy um, can heal instead of holding on to those old grudges. Mm. Standing up for truth, that is definitely a theme that we Christians are having to deal with today, isn't it? More and more? It sure is. Mm, That's great. So The Fairest of Heart is the first book in this series, What is the next book coming out in the series? Can you tell us yet or? Sure. <laughs> okay. um, yeah, we, we actually have an official title. So um, it will be a Cinderella story. So it's going to be a, a gender swap on the uh, usual Cinderella um, mm-hmm. trope. And it's going to be called If the Boot Fits. Oh, nice. So you can thank Woody from Toy Story for the inspiration <laughs> for that title. But it was just perfect. that The story opens with a ball, a cattleman's ball, and there is a boot left behind. And <laughs> so it kind of blooms from there. But uh, one of the fun things that I really tried to do, I mentioned trying to mix things up a little bit um, in the future stories in this series And one of the things that was really important to me um, in this uh, Cinderella story is that I wanted to redeem the stepmother. Mm. So in in fairy tales, the stepmothers really get a bad rap. They're always the villains in the story, right? And there are some really wonderful, godly women who are stepmothers in this world, and they make such a huge positive difference in the lives of of their stepchildren. And I really wanted to redeem the stepmother. So... um, uh, the the hero in the story, um, he's the one that has the stepmother and he has two younger stepbrothers and he's he's basically trying to support them. He's, you know, he's poor and he's, you know, on the on the edges of society, um, whereas the the heroine is is the rich uh, daughter of the cattle king. Um, and so I I redeemed the the stepmother, gave her a very positive role in the story and a role in his life. Um, and then we, so we'll have a, a mystery villain that people will have to see if they can figure out who it is. Cause it's not the stepmother this time. <laughs> yeah. It's going to have to be someone else. That's nice. Right. I, you're just so sweet that you want to redeem the stepmother. That's so nice. <laughs> you're right. Most people cling to that and they make her wicked. <laughs> and yeah. I wasn't sure since you did the gender swap, I thought, is it going to be a stepfather that's evil? But no. <laughs> <laughs> We're mixing it up. That's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Now, how many books will the will there be in the Texas Ever After series? So there'll be three main books. Um, book three is um, I'm currently writing right now. Um, it's the plan for this one is to be kind of a mashup with Little Red Riding Hood and Sleeping Beauty Ooh, kind of nice. mashed together. So you'll have, you know, some Red Riding Hood vibes, but then there'll also be a lot of backstory uh, and references to Sleeping Beauty as well. And then um, those are the three main books with Bethany House. And then I'm th- I'm hoping to do a uh, follow up, either novella or short novel um, for the Beauty and the Beast story, because that's oh, my favorite. Yeah. Is that tale. your beauty? Is that your favorite? Is. It's my favorite. I mean, how can you not love a a heroine who falls in love with a library? So (laughs) (laughs) that's terrific. I think Sleeping Beauty is my favorite. I can't even really 
explain why. I think it was just since I was a kid and I saw Mm-hmm. the Disney version and it always, I think the dragon. Uh, yeah, I have Yes. to, it was when she trans, Maleficent transformed into the dragon. That was it. And I've been dealing with dragons ever since I write books for kids about dragons. So Oh, I have, that's that's perfect. probably why that's mine. Oh, that's great. So can these books stand <laughs> alone or do we have to read them in order? so this series is only joined by theme, by the fairy tale theme. So each one is, is a standalone novel. They don't have any overlapping characters or anything like that. So they can be read in any order. Um, the only thing joining them really is that fairy tale element. Okay, so they'll be set in Texas, though, but different areas of Texas. Correct. Okay, nice. What made you want to do that instead of having like a, a connection between all of them? I think it just gave me a little more flexibility to um, to kind of branch out and do something different, um, especially with the third book that I'm working on. It's really a lot of a travel story. So, you know, it's possible I could work in a cameo <laughs> here or there, but I think for the most part, they're going to be separate. Makes it easy for a reader to just pick up wherever Right, they want. exactly. So that if they miss one, then they don't have to worry about it. That's neat. That's clever. Well, this just sounds so amazing and so original. And I think readers really like that, but they're still going to get a flavor of your typical writing, your love of Texas. So you're kind of uh, pleasing all different kinds of readers. That's what we're hoping for. Cowboys and fairy tales. You can't go wrong. <laughs> Well, Karen, imagine if you will, you have a writer who is struggling a little bit and maybe thought that by now he or she would be published and have that, you know, seven book contract and it just hasn't happened yet. What kind of advice would you give to a writer in that situation? This industry is difficult. It really is. You have to have a lot of patience. You have to have a lot of perseverance and you have to have, you have to have thick skin because there's a lot of rejection that goes along with it. Not only rejection from um, editors and agents when you're trying to get published, but even after you get published, there's a lot of rejection with maybe reviews that don't go your way or um, things that happen, or even an editor that says, Hey, you know, we, we, didn't think this was the best idea. So a lot of these lessons that you're learning um, as, a, as a new author trying to get into the business, you're going to have to carry with you even after you're published. And so be patient with that. Um, but also um, reach out to um, organizations that can offer you some assistance. So there's a lot of wonderful writing organizations out there. Um, get in touch with other writers. Um, not only do they understand what you're going through, um, but they can also help you. You can find critique partners. You can find people who know the industry and can introduce you to people. Attend conferences. Um, go to where the editors and agents are. It's one of those rough, you know, catch-22s where um, you can't get you know, an agent unless you have been published and you can't get published unless you have an agent. And so you're stuck like, well, what do I do? And so attending conferences, um, entering contests, anything that puts your writing in front of an agent or an editor is a great strategy um, to not only get feedback, to, but to possibly get your, um, get your writing into the hands of somebody who can take you that to that next level. So put yourself out there. 
network with other people who are in the same journey as you, not only for moral support, but just to help yourself learn the industry, learn how to make your craft stronger, and then just keep sticking with it. And hopefully one day when the time is right, that door will open. That's so true. We writers have a tendency to be introverts, but you're right. We have to get out there. We have to put ourselves out there and take that risk, take that chance, attend a conference or a workshop, always wanting to network, reach out, ask for help. And this is the key, accept that feedback. You have to develop a thick skin sometimes. (laughs) It's not easy, especially when you put your heart and soul into a project to have somebody, you know, hopefully give you encouragement about things you've done well, but also listen to to that critique as well. Because even published authors, we still get critiqued and we need it. You know, we, we can sometimes get stuck in a rut and we need someone to kick us in the pants a little bit and say, hey, you know, you could do better. It's <laughs> true. Excellent advice from Karen Wittermeyer. And listeners, if you want to connect with her, you can go to her website, karenwittermeyer.com, where I'm sure they can sign up for your newsletter, correct? Absolutely. Right on. And she has a Facebook group called The Posse, where she actually will ask you for ideas for her stories and characters. How cool is that? So go to Facebook and sign up for her Posse Facebook group. And Karen, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to chat with me today. You're so welcome. I really enjoyed it. Wow. Wasn't that great listening to Karen talk about her new book, Fairest of Heart? It's so clever, and I love how she was able to take the fairy tale of Snow White and twist it around and make it her very own classic story set in the Wild West. And remember what Karen said about persevering. It took her six years to get her first book done and published. So hang in there, keep going, put yourself out there, learn more about the craft, network, meet other authors, and remember, keep going forward on this writing journey, one step at a time. Someone out there needs to read your story. Until next time, God bless.